session, have been for a couple of weeks now. I think this is the third week. Intercession, let me get some quick definitions out there is bringing two people together who have differences. You know, so really what we are doing when we intercede is we're bringing God and a person together because God and this person have differences. Now that doesn't mean that they don't love, that God doesn't love them or, you know, or that they don't love God. That doesn't mean that, that kind of differences, you know. It just means that they're thinking differently than God. They're not thinking like God's thinking. They have differences. And you know, how many of you know God's not going to change? We have to. Amen. Amen. And so uh, He's already thinking right, so He's not going to change. We have to do all the changing. Amen. Another definition of intercession is going to our Father for someone else. And I like this definition, intervention, which is being used by God to intervene in someone's life. We can intervene uh, in people's lives and, and, and stop things that the devil has planned for their lives. And so we get to be used. We just get this high privilege of being used. Amen? Now, we've talked about this before, but I'm just reviewing a little bit. Catch everybody up on the same page. Why intercession? Number one, God wants to do things in the earth and He needs your authority. Remember that. Number two, God wants to bless people. Number three, God wants to avert tragedy. Glory to God. Now turn to Ezekiel 22, verse 29, and we'll get into some new things tonight that we haven't covered before. And I just have lots and lots of stuff I'd like to talk about tonight, and we'll see how the Lord leads, which way He takes us. Ezekiel 22, verse 29 says, <clears throat> Let me get, I'm going to get the Amplified while y'all are turning. Okay? And I'll just go ahead and start turning there. This is a new Bible. Everything's sticking together. Okay, verse 29. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Say this. Make up the hedge. Make up the hedge. Stand in the gap. Okay, that's what we're called to do is make up the hedge, stand in the gap. Amen. And he says there <clears throat> before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And then verse 31, uh, no, that's verse 30. Let's, let, uh, that's not, I don't want to read 31. So we talked about this before. Why does God need a man? And we found that answer in Genesis 1.26 when, when God gave dominion to Adam. Amen. So the God gave His authority in the earth to man. Hallelujah. And so God needs, He needs a man. He needs your voice and He needs your hands. He needs you to cooperate with Him. You are a co-laborer, the New Testament says, with God. That's what we're to be is co-laborers with God. God can't do in the earth what He wants to do without you. And not me. I mean, he's going to have to find somebody. If you don't do it, he's going to look for somebody else. But, and, and, uh, but he's got to have a man. He's got to have a flesh and blood man or woman. Amen? To work with him. Turn to Isaiah chapter 59. This is what I'm going to use the Amplified. I got ahead of myself there. Isaiah 59, verse 4 and 5. Isaiah 59, 4, None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into, uh, into a viper. So there's evil things that happen in the earth, isn't there? Verse 14, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. 
Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey, and the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Now let's read this. I'm going to read this in the uh, in verse 16. I want to read in the Amplified to you. Okay, verse 16. And he saw, God saw, that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor, no one to intervene on behalf of truth and right. God's looking for someone to intervene. Intervene on behalf of truth and right. Therefore, his own arm brought him victory and his own righteousness, having the spirit without measure, sustained him. So that's talking about Jesus. Jesus was the, the ultimate intercessor. He came and brought intervention into the things uh, and the ways of this earth the things that had been set up by our forefathers, Adam. And, uh, and uh, so Jesus came and was the ultimate intercessor, and he brought that intervention, and he bought for us redemption. And redemption, you know, includes more than just going to heaven when we die, but includes uh, deliverance, it includes uh, healing, it includes prosperity, it includes, uh, it includes uh, a success in, 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 in life, a success in every realm of life. Jesus bought and paid for those things for us. However, we have to enforce those things. Amen? We have to enforce truth. We have to enforce righteousness. We have to, we have to enforce it. And so we get to be um, intercessors and we get to intervene in behalf of other people. All through the Bible we see examples um, of people intervening with truth and rightness. In Isaiah 59, 19, I'm going to keep reading here. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. The Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard or lift up a standard. Remember the Spirit of the Lord? The Spirit of the Lord dwells in you. Remember Romans 8, 26 that says that, um, that when we don't know how to pray as we ought, that the Spirit helpeth us. Remember that? That the Spirit, the Spirit helpeth us. He helpeth. He helps us. That standard that's going to be raised up is not just something God's going to just do when the enemy's wrecking havoc in the earth. In other words, God's just going to, he's going to raise up a standard. How's he going to do it? He's going to do it by the Spirit of the Lord. Where is the Spirit of the Lord? In us. Amen. So if God's going to get this standard raised up when the enemy's trying to come in like a flood, he's got to have a man, doesn't he? He's got to have you. He's got to use you to raise the standard up. Glory to God. Now, uh, the standard is raised by, 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 well, let's look at this first. Isaiah 59, 21, verse 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. So the standard that God's going to raise up is the words of our mouth. That's how God raises a standard up, is by the words of our mouth. Jeremiah 1.12 says that, the, that, the, that uh, God said, My word shall not return unto me void. Amen? My word shall not return unto me void. When in, in, in Romans 8, there in verse 26, where it says, The Spirit helpeth us. It talks of, helpeth there means take hold together against. 
See, when the enemy comes in like a flood, and the Spirit of the Lord needs a man to raise up the standard, to, the Spirit will help us. Now, we don't have to do it alone, but, but we have to cooperate with the Holy Ghost to raise up a standard against, to use the words of our mouth and raise up a standard against the enemy. The Holy Spirit takes hold together with us. He helps us. But He's not going to do it by Himself. We have to do our part. God does His part. God will never do our part. Amen? He can't do our part. He will never do our part. One time, a long time ago, when I was really young in the Lord, the Lord said to me, He said, I'll answer every prayer you pray, but I won't, I won't pray any of them for you. I mean, you know, think about it. He promised us in His Word. Now, you know, you can back that up with Scripture. Sure. That He answers every prayer, but He doesn't pray any of them for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, Jesus makes intercession for us. We know that. But God's not going to pray the prayers we need to pray. We need to be prayers, don't we? We need to stir ourselves up in the area of prayer. Now, let's turn to Luke chapter 11. Glory to God. We're talking about being intercessors tonight. Glory to God. Glory to God. Luke 11, verse 5. Just lots and lots of examples in the Word about intercession. And this is a parable that Jesus spoke, and it's about intercession. And He said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as much as he needeth. Amen. Well, what he's talking about here is, first of all, it, it likens God as to you're, you're a friend of God. We can be friends with God. Amen? And you have a friend. You have friends. You have people in the earth that are your friends. The, he said, the idea that he said uh, uh, to, uh, at midnight. You know, it says there, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight. You know, the midnight hour indicates a closeness. You don't just go to anybody's house at midnight, do you? Amen. There are people that you might go to their house and knock on their door at 4 o'clock in the afternoon just to ask them a question, but you don't go just to anybody's house at midnight. Amen. If you're going to go to somebody's house at midnight, you're going to have to be extremely close to them, aren't you? Because you if you already know somebody's in bed, you drive by their house, there's no lights on, and you know they're asleep. You know they're in bed. You've got to be close to go at midnight. See, we're going to be more effective in our intercession if we're close to God. Amen? We're going to be more effective if we're close. And so this is talking about being a close friend of God. Look at there, he says in verse 6, you know you're going for another friend. And look what the, look what the Lord answers and says. And he says, um, 
And he said, and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children. You know, God's saying there, you know, I take care of my children. And this person that you're coming to me on behalf of, now this parable here uh, that Jesus gave us gives us the right to go to him for people that aren't his children. Because he said there, this is not my children. My children are in bed with me. I take care of my children. You know what? My ch- if, and, and sometimes we do have to intercede for people that are already His children. But people that already really know he, they're His children, that really, really, really know what being a child of God is like, really, really know the benefits of being a child of God, they don't usually need us to intercede for them, do they? Because they know how to just climb up in Daddy's lap and get what they need for themselves. Now, I'm not meaning to say we all, know, we all need prayer. We all need to be covered in prayer. We can all be blindsided, blindsided to something, not seeing something like it is. So all of us need prayer. But on the most, for the most part, if you really know God, you don't, need a, you don't need an intercessor going to God on your behalf. But He gives us permission here to come for people that don't really know Him. Amen. Praise God. And, and what he said there was, he said, my children, I take care of them. And um, he said to this person that came as an intercessor, I don't have any dealing or right with your friend. He's saying, I don't have any right to intervene in their life. See, God doesn't have any right to intervene in the sinner's life unless somebody prays. You say, why don't God stop that wreck out there on the interstate? Well, he, he does if he has a right to. He does if he has a right to. Amen? If he has a right to stop it, he does. I'm telling you, family, he stops everyone he he has a right to stop. Amen? Always. And so, you know, we can't always know the reasons why and if. We can wear ourselves out trying to find out why and if, you know, because maybe something in the past. But and, and, you know, some things, we, the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord. And you know, you can ask God about things, Lord, why? And if He doesn't show you, then he, you know what? It's none of your business. Amen? And you've got to lay it up on a shelf and just say, Father, I trust you. Amen? I trust you. You know, there's things sometimes that we're at a place in our lives where we can't understand them. We may not know enough to understand there's things sometimes that, that we, may, we may not be mature enough to understand. I know the first time your little child, three years old, asks you something, you don't always tell them the, uh, uh, the, the whole meaning of everything, do you? Why? Because they're too young to understand. You know, to give a three-year-old child information about some very serious subject is a burden to that child. It, it's a burden. It's, it's wrong to tell for, a, for a, a three or a four or five-year-old child to have to know things about facts of life and stuff. That It's a burden for them to carry those things. Amen. Amen? They need to grow a little bit. And you know, you may not understand everything that's gone on in life concerning your loved ones or concerning maybe if family members or extended family, maybe a neighbor or, or a grandma. You may not understand. But you know, you may be a little too young in the Lord to know yet. You may need to grow a little before you could understand. Amen? And then I believe there's some things that God says, that's my secret. That's between me and them. 
And it's literally none of our business. Amen. Amen? Literally can be none of our business. Amen. Glory to God. So, and then he says, uh, uh, I don't have any dealing or I don't have any right with your friend. He's not my child. I don't have a right to intervene in this situation. And then it goes on to say, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity. That word importunity there means persistent in making demands. Persistence in making demands. Or boldness to ask. And it's not so, you know, it's not so much talking about just bugging God all the time. Uh, but it's just, uh, it's talking about just getting in there and asking him for radical things. You know, just getting in there. God, I'm just asking you to do big things and radical things. And just, you know, I have even told the Lord this before. And God honors this, I can tell you. I have been praying for people before and realized they probably weren't in faith and realized they probably weren't uh, pleasing God in every area of their life. And I've said this to the Lord before. I've said, God, I ask you to do it for my sake. You know, if you're a friend of God, amen? amen? If you're a friend of God, He'll give you favors. You know, friends do favors for each other. Amen? Do this for me, Lord. Do this for this person. Do this for Kevin as a favor to me. Amen? I don't know what Kevin's believing for, but he needs this. And I'm just using him for an example. He needs this. Do it for him as a favor, a personal favor to me. You, you need to get in that kind of relationship with God where you feel confident asking for favors. See, that's what importunity is. That's you going to God and being just bold enough to ask. You know, there's been people before, some of y'all's husbands in this room, where I've literally said, Lord, you know, I've been praying for him, and I'd say, God, to give them a Damascus Road experience. God, if you can't get to them any other way, shine a bright light on them in the road and appear to them. Did you know the Bible promises you in Acts that, that you and your household shall be saved? Glory to God. Glory to God. You know what? You and your household, you're, you got unsaved children. You, if you will pray for them, God will do whatever it takes. He, if he has to shine a bright light in the path and appear to him and saying, like we remember what he said to Paul, he said, Saul, Saul, why, why persecutest thou me? Just whatever it takes, Lord. Amen. Amen. But we've got to be that intervention. We've got to be that intercessor. We've got to be the go-between. They may be over here cursing God and doing all sorts of things, but we can be the in-between. We can be the in-between. Amen. Your kids can, your, your parents, you're the in-between. They may be doing all the wrong things, but you can be the in-between. You can be saying, Lord, I plead the blood over them, and Father, I ask you to protect them. Not because they're being wise, not because they're, they're doing the right thing. I ask you to do it for my sake. You know, you can do that. Amen. You can do it. Praise God. Hallelujah. So importunity is urgently. It's being urgent. It's being bold. It's being insistent. Not taking no for an answer. It's not giving up. Not giving up. Turn to John 14, 3. Glory to God. we got to be persistent in our intercession. Praise God. John 14, 3 says, uh, 
That's not what I want to read. I know that's not it. 1413. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. See, we have a relationship with Him. He is our friend. He does it for our sake. Why? Because we're in covenant. I'm in covenant with God. I can ask Him anything that's not against His Word. And certainly saving people and delivering people and healing people and setting people free. That's in His Word. Amen? I can ask Him anything because we're friends. We have relationship. We're close. We're tight. We're close enough to wake each other up at midnight. Amen? Are you close enough to God that He can wake you up at midnight? Amen? Hallelujah. Now you don't have to wake Him up, do you? <laughs> He's already awake. Hallelujah. But, 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 but a close friend, knowing, know Him well, know how He thinks. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, in Abraham, he kind of solved it for us. Because, you know, a lot of times we get the, yeah, but they don't deserve it. Did you ever feel like, yeah, but they don't deserve it? Look what they're doing. But, you know, nobody could have been more undeserving than Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, you know, and Abraham presented him a question. And said, well, uh, he Abraham, uh, Abraham, is that right? Yeah. Abraham said to him, uh, well, uh, would if, if, if there were ten righteous, would you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? God said, well, no, because you asked me. I won't destroy it if there's ten righteous. And how far down did he go? I forget. He stopped at ten. He started, okay, and he stopped at ten. You know, I believe if, uh, I don't know why Abraham stopped. I don't know if he just, you know, I really don't. I don't know if the Holy Spirit just, you know, he just didn't have unction to say more. But I just believe, really, that if Abraham had gone on and said, Lord, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah for one righteous? See, we know there was one righteous. There was Lot. Amen. Maybe, he, maybe, maybe God didn't count Lot as righteous. I don't know. Hallelujah. Maybe God only delivered Lot because of Abraham's prayers. Hallelujah. That's it. Kevin said, that might be it. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. But we know that being deserving from, this, from that example that he gives us about Abraham, we know that being deserving is not the criteria. Amen. So did any of you got any undeserving kin folks? Amen. Of course, we're all undeserving if you get right down to it. But, I know, but I'm talking about out there living like hell. You know what I'm talking about. Glory to God. <laughs> In that, let's turn to John 11. Well, we got a different flow tonight. <laughs> John 11, 43. Oh, we have the example here where... Uh, Martha and Mary, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus died. And you know that Jesus purposely waited a few days. I think it's three days, four days. I don't know what it was exactly. Before he came 
And uh, when he came, you know, he had several discussions with Mary and Martha over if they would believe they would see the glory of God. And, um, and uh, in verse 40, Jesus uh, said unto her, uh, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. And then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. So what he just said is, I just prayed this prayer to you, Father, for the people to hear this prayer. But I, I really didn't need to do that. All I needed to do was what I'm fixing to do. Amen. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. And here we can see a picture of intercession also. Because we've been, we kind of talked about unbelievers for a few minutes, but in this example, um, Lazarus was alive when he was standing there in those grave clothes. And this was like a, a mummy suit. I mean, this was hard. This was, this was hard. They put it on with plaster and, you know. And so he had on this hard mummy suit. And uh, he, uh, he's alive on the inside, but he's bound. He's alive. And so this would be a picture of us, of a Christian who's alive. I mean, they're, they're saved, but they're bound. And boy, we can, there's a lot of people in that situation. And notice Jesus said to the disciples, he didn't, Jesus didn't go over there and start unwinding the stuff and taking it off of him. Jesus said to the disciples, loose him and let him go. See, we're that making up the hedge and standing in the gap. We're the people, we're the one that can get people loosed and get them free. And some people will never be free apart from intercession. Some people can just come and hear the Word, and they can get free, just to get delivered by hearing the Word. Amen? Just sit under the Word and just let the Word just wash and deliver and can get free of things. But there are some people that are bound in such a way, and, and, and really, to tell you the truth, don't know why. Maybe they're just not strong enough or whatever, but they will never get free apart from intercession. But we're that one. You're the intervention. The people that you see that are hurting and they're Christians, you're the one. You may say, well, yeah, but I feel like I need to be set free. Yeah, but there's always somebody that's in worse shape than you are. Amen. Amen. There's always somebody that knows less than you are. And because you're in this meeting tonight, and you've been listening to these teachings on intercession, proves to me that you're called to be an intervention in people's lives. You know, the whole thing that's missing in Christianity is prayer. That's the whole thing that's missing. There is so much Word. I'm not just talking about just little sermons that aren't really based on truth, but I'm talking about literally 
preachers preaching the word, the true word, the full gospel, the whole word, the the truth all over the earth. It's going forth everywhere, all over. It's been in every nation, and yet nations are still bound. There are still nations that are so horribly bound. The missing ingredient in Christianity is prayer. Family, the missing ingredient in the people that are around you, the people you want to see free, the people that you've been believing for, the people that you've confessed over, the people that you have uh, yearned to see walking in the things of God, the missing ingredient is prayer. The missing ingredient is prayer. Amen. Amen. The people you want to see baptized in the Holy Ghost, but they just don't seem to catch. They don't just don't seem to get it. They just don't seem to go after it. They don't just don't seem to see it. The missing ingredient is intercession. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. I've got a lot more scriptures, but I want to stop there because I want to talk to you just for a few minutes before we close tonight. Because when it comes to healing and, you know, somebody needing to be healed, we've got to be careful when we go to intercession that we come right. We've got to be careful when we say, I'm going to intercede for somebody that's sick, that we don't approach God, oh, God, heal them. Oh, God, please heal them. Oh, God, that, you know, that is the wrong way to approach God in intercession and you won't get anywhere praying that way when somebody's sick and needs to be healed. And the reason is, is because really it's unbelief because Jesus already did heal them. Jesus already went to the cross. Jesus already bore those stripes and He already did everything that He can do in order to get them healed. So when you go in intercession where healing is concerned, Amen. You've got to go from the standpoint of them changing. God's not going to change. He's already got it right. He's got it perfect. So we go on based on Ephesians, the prayers in Ephesians, that the eyes of their understanding being enlightened. Amen. Because they're either not seeing something, and let me talk to you about this a few minutes, they're either not seeing it right, not grasping it, something's blocking the way they grasp it, either being taught wrong or the traditions passed down through their family or something. So make sure that you go to God right when it comes to praying for healing. Make sure you're not going begging Him to heal them. Amen. Amen. And when praying for people and interceding for people, you, you know, there's two things you need to understand. There's two reasons maybe uh, if they're uh, maybe somebody that uh, believes, let's just say they're a believer, and they really believe in healing, but somehow they're just not making the connection, you know. Well, either they need some revelation. They need the eyes of their understanding enlightened. They need some help. And so we become that intercessor, not begging God to do something, uh, beg, you, uh, uh, beseeching God to move in their life, to reveal things to them, but not just going to Him from the perspective of, oh, please heal them. Oh, God, be merciful. Oh, God, you know, do y'all catch what I'm saying? That that would be an insult to God, asking Him to be merciful. 
and heal this person when he already did be merciful by sending Jesus? And he already, and Jesus was so merciful to take all of our sickness and all of our disease. And so that would be such a wrong approach to God. But yet we do need to come to God and beseech Him to, to, to move in such a way, to send a labor across their path. Sometimes that could be just the answer, just a different labor. Sometimes we're so ineffective, especially with our own relatives. Amen. They don't want to listen to us. Brother Hagin says you can't, all you can do for your relatives is pray. You'd be better just put a piece of tape over your mouth when it comes to your relatives. Now, there's a few exceptions to that. I've actually seen relatives come to you before, but, but that's not generally the rule. Amen. Amen. They won't listen to you. And so you can get in there, though, as intercessor and believe God. Amen. Believe God for a right labor. Believe God for, for, for God to, to get the word to them somehow. Amen. And then there's another reason why people might not receive, and that um, is, uh, uh, Kevin, would you mind standing up? Do you mind being God tonight? You're God, okay? He's God. Uh, well, um, who wants? I'd like to call. I won't call anybody. But who would like? Who would volunteer to be the devil tonight? <laughs> Kevin will be the. Karen will be the devil. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, uh, Micah, would you like to come over here and us? We'll pretend we're praying for you, that you're in here. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No, actually, I got it wrong. The devil's got to get in the middle. Amen. Micah's getting over here. Amen. I'm the intercessor. I'm making up the hedge. I'm standing in the gap, and I prayed. Okay, I'm praying for Micah. And so, you know, in Daniel, we found out in the book of Daniel, it said Daniel prayed, and it says from the, the angel 21 days later showed up. Amen? At Daniel's doorstep. But the angel told him, he, the angel said, from the first time that you prayed, I was sent. So when we are intercessors, we've got to remember that we're either believing for the person's mind to be enlightened, for them to see that we're not, that God releases what we ask for the moment we ask for it. He doesn't say, well, pray a few more days, pray a few more hours. If you'll just put in 10 more minutes, Lejean, you know, you can probably get this one. No, he, the moment I pray, he releases the answer. We learned that from the book of Daniel. My mind, I may not be a very good receiver because the minds of my understanding may need to be enlightened. Or, here's another scenario. When I prayed for Micah, God released it. Just hold out your arms, Kevin, release it. But here's this little problem in the middle. <laughs> Amen? And it's the devil. And that's what Daniel taught us is that he, the, the angel 21 days, I've been fighting the prince of Persia I've been having a big fight up there, and Michael, the archangel, had to come and help me get rid of him so I could even get through to you to answer your prayer. Amen? So when I'm interceding, God's already answering. Micah's ready. Let's just say Micah does understand, and he's already receiving. But here's this thing in the middle. But here's what my prayer's doing. My prayer, my prayer, if I keep on interceding. Boy, that wasn't a very tough devil. <laughs> A low-level <laughs> low devil. 
<laughs> but my prayer, she didn't want to get beat up on, but my prayer is getting the devil out of the way. So that's why it's important that I don't give up because God wants, God wants to do this for Micah. Amen. But if I say, well, you know, I don't know. I guess it just didn't work. Well, here's God over here helpless. Here's Micah over here doing without. Huh? Well, and, uh, and, and the devil's saying, yep, 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 yep. Well, y'all can be seated. Thank y'all. But see, you got, you, you've got this demonic, this demonic interference in some situations. Now, I wouldn't say every situation's demonic interference. Sometimes it's, the, you know, we need something here. We don't know how to receive. We don't know. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want, we got we to gotta take on some things in intercession. And how long do you pray? That's what some people ask. Will you pray till you get victory? You pray till you see difference in people's lives. That's how long you intercede. Glory to God. You can't pray. The prayer of faith, you know, Mark 11, 23 and 24, actually 23 says, you know, believe that you receive when you pray. That's not the prayer of intercession. That's the prayer of faith. I pray that for myself. But when it comes to praying for you, when it comes to intervening in somebody's life, I keep on praying. I keep on praying. I may not know what I'm pushing against. I may not know what's fighting me. But I just keep on. So those of you that have been praying for loved ones a long time, just keep on. Just keep on. Amen. Just keep on. Just keep on. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. And if you've been praying wrong, if you've been begging God to save somebody, that's praying wrong. That's praying wrong. If you've been begging God to save somebody. Start praying right. If somebody needs salvation, you need to pray. First of all, you need to pray Ephesians prayers, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened. If they need salvation, you need to pray a right laborer would cross their path. God would bring laborers. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that He might send laborers into the harvest. Pray for a laborer. Amen. And then pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Because it'll push back. It'll push back anything that's interfering. And if the Holy Spirit tells you to speak something out, then speak it out. You know, it's wrong, because it's unbelief, to just think, okay, let's make a list of every demon that could be attacking my husband. <laughs> no, we don't bind demons by making a list or finding a list somebody else made. Well, it might be that one. Let's bind it. Well, it might be that one. Let's find that. No, that's unbelief. You can't, you got to pray, you got, can't pray faith filled prayers not knowing the truth. You got to know the truth. You got to know. And so don't worry about binding and loosening until the Holy Spirit rises up in you. Besides all that, you, you, you got to, unless it's Holy Spirit inspired, it won't have any authority. It won't have the voice of authority behind it. You know what? It's the truth. It won't have any, it won't have a, it, 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 it'll, it'll sound hollow. And, and, and the devil knows when it's Jesus speaking, Jesus talking through you, 
So you just pray in the Spirit till you know what to say. And don't say anything if you don't know what to say. Except now, you praying the Word's always right. Speaking the Word's always right. That's always anointed. The Word is always anointed. It's instant, in season and out. It's always anointed. But i got to be led when it comes to binding the spirit of adultery off of somebody. Or the spirit of whatever. You know, i got to be led. Sometimes, we, you know, we've just like got us some darts and started throwing them. <laughs> you know, binding, think, when binding don't work, we'll loose. Amen. Well, you can get into you can get off into strange stuff when you start doing that. Then, because you're not doing anything inspired, so you wait for the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. Glory to God. Let's stand up together. Well.